0: And Father, now as we come to Your Word, we want to hear You speak. Father, we want to hear You speak to us in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this difficulty. And so we ask You to do so and to speak powerfully to us. Father, we ask that anything that may distract us, any fears or anxieties or worries or tasks that we have to get done later today, that You would wipe all of those away from our minds so that we could focus intently on You and hear what You have to say to us this morning. Father, we pray that You would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what You have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. So you can grab your Bibles, um, and if you don't have a Bible with you right now, go grab one quick and come sit back down. I, I encourage you to have your Bibles out and have them open as we go through. These books of the Bible so that you can see exactly what I'm preaching from. We're going to be starting a new series now through the book of 1 Peter. And so if you can open up your Bibles to 1 Peter, it's way towards the end of the Bible. And this morning we are just looking at the first two verses, um, which are the introduction to the letter. So 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. Well, I remember the first time I tasted a little crumb of what it feels like to be an exile. And I want to emphasize that. this is a little crumb of a taste that's not much, but I did have a sense come over me. I was on a, a seminary trip touring Turkey and Greece, and we had spent the entire day flying from Chicago to Turkey and traveling on by bus to get to our hotel for the night. and we were exhausted, and so when we got to the hotel, we just crashed in bed right away and slept. And the next morning, I got up and grabbed a cup of coffee and wanted to sit out on the balcony and take in the new sights and the new country that I was in. And right as I sat down with my cup of coffee, the Islamic call to prayer rang out over loudspeakers. And and it penetrated every square inch of the city. There were mosques all over through the city and out loudspeakers at the top of their minaret was this Arabic chant going over and over and over again, calling the entire city to prayer. And as that Arabic chant continued, um, deeper inside of me I kept feeling, recognizing that I was not at home. I had this deep awareness that I was in a country that was not my own, and I was surrounded by people who are not my own, people who saw the world differently and believed things very differently from myself. I was somewhat in exile. And this letter of 1 Peter, as Rachel already mentioned, this, this letter is written to a group of people who are in Exile. That's how Peter calls them, and and all of these churches that are mentioned at the beginning, they're all spread out through what we now call Eurasia, which is kind of where Turkey is. These churches are all spread out through where Turkey is, and Peter says, "I'm I'm writing this to you who are in exile," and so that helps us to know that this entire letter of First Peter is written to a people in exile, and it's written to them to teach them. How to live the Christian life when you're in exile. I mean, just just think about it for a moment. What it felt like to be God's people in exile. They were uprooted from their homes and hauled off to a foreign land and they're stuck there. The typical way that they lived was gone. Nothing was normal Anymore, the people were different, the customs were different, the daily practices were all different, and besides that, they were separated from the temple, which was their main way of play, uh, their main place of worshiping God. And so they weren't able to worship God in the way that they were normally able to worship. Their typical pattern of sacrifice and prayer was all. Completely gone. And so they couldn't worship God the way they wanted. And then they're surrounded by all these people who saw the world differently and worshipped other gods. They believed things differently than they believed. And so even though they're surrounded by people, they still felt isolated and alone. And I think many of us are beginning to sense our own unique style of exile right now. Because of the spread of the coronavirus, where many of our normals have changed. Not all of our normals, but many of our normals have changed. And we haven't been uprooted from our homes. Actually, many of us are stuck in our homes. But we have been separated from our friends and family. And we're not able to do the things that we have normally been able to do. And as when we do get out into the world around us, it just seems different. Than it was before. Things just seem different. And we've also been separated from our church buildings and from our fellow believers. We are not worshiping the way that we're used to worshiping. We're sitting in our living rooms watching worship on a screen, which is not normal. And as I've talked to a number of people in the midst of this season, they say, I feel like my weeks and my days just start to blur together because I don't have this regular pattern of getting up, getting dressed, going to church, worshiping with God's people, so I don't know which day is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And even this morning as I tried to figure out how many weeks we've been doing this, we had a discussion as a family because we just couldn't quite remember how many weeks we've been doing this. We eventually figured out five. But everything kind of blurs together because we've, we've lost our normal rhythms. And, and many people, because of our kind of, are feeling isolated and alone in the midst of this. But in reality, this has only amplified what was already true about us as Christians. Christians have always seen themselves as exiles in the world. Yes, before this we were able to attend church on Sundays and and worship with God's people. Yes, we were free to, to live out our faith. But as Christians, when we live out our faith in the world and we begin to look at the world around us, we quickly realize that we are surrounded by people who do not see the world the same way we do and who believe very different things. And so since we're trying to live out our faith in the midst of people who, who believe different things and, and worship different gods, we easily begin to feel isolated and alone because there are so many people who are unlike us. We, we are in exile, even when we're not in the midst of this corona quarantine. And yet Peter, as he opens up this letter, he gives us a really helpful adjective in the midst of our exile. He says, you are not just exiles. He writes at the beginning, he says, to those who are elect exiles. Elect exiles. That's really important for us to remember in the midst of our own exile. That we're not just a people scattered throughout the world, kind of living out our own lives in the midst of non-believers, And even right now, as we're stuck in our homes, we're not just a quarantined people. We are elect exiles. We are elect quarantined people. We're God's chosen people. And and as we talked about last week, we are the people that Jesus Christ won through His life, death, and resurrection. We are the people that He purchased with His own blood. And we have been adopted into God's family. And that's really important because exile causes disruption. It takes all the normalcy of our lives and it just throws it out the window. And now in exile you have to figure out how to live in new ways. You have to come up with new normals. And that causes Anxiety to well up in us because now things aren't the way that they have been. All these comforts that we've had in our lives have been taken away and now anxiety and fear begins to well up within us and we start to wonder if God has rejected us. We start to wonder why God is allowing this to happen. And then, and then on top of that, we're not worshiping God the way that we normally do. That, the way we worship God has been disrupted and so since we're not worshiping God the way that we normally do we're not experiencing our faith the way that we normally do it's different it's kind of weird and so then since we're not worshiping normally God seems to get further and further away because we're experiencing worship and following God in a different way and so we start to ask why is God so far away from me Yet, Scripture repeatedly speaks to God's people in their exile. And in Romans 11, verse 2, it says, God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. God has not rejected His people whom He foreknew. He he has not rejected the people that He chose from before the foundations of the earth. God would not, would never reject the people that He sent His Son to. To save. He wouldn't reject the people that he purchased with his own blood. He wouldn't reject the people that he had called and adopted into his family. And so we need to remember that we are not just exiles in this world. We are God's people in this exile. We are elect people in the midst of our quarantine. God has not rejected us and God has promised that he will never leave us. Nor forsake us. And as Peter begins to dive deeper into that, he shows us that the name elect exile is given to us actually by the triune God, by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That each member of the Trinity works toward giving us this name elect exile and works together to bring us through to the end of our current exile. And so he starts off by saying, we are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's why we can be called elect exiles. is because God foreknew us and chose us in Him before the foundations of the earth. That always just blows my mind. Before He even created the earth, God foreknew us and chose us in Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 4, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then it says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Before God even created the heavens and the earth, He looked down, He saw you, and He chose you to be part of His family. He knew all of the terrible things you would do. He knew all of the stupid things you would do. He knew all of the mistakes that you would make. But He chose you as His child anyway, if you've turned to Him in faith. He chose to to wash away your sins through Jesus Christ and adopt you into His family because He loved you. And He did that before He even created the world. And so the question is: so why would he reject you now? Think about it. Would the Father leave you now after having chosen you to be part of his family from before the creation of the world? It doesn't make any sense. He has an everlasting love for his people, and he loves us like an everlasting Father. So that means he's not going anywhere. And He's going to continue to walk with you, continue to care for you, continue to strengthen you, continue to provide for you in the midst of every single season of trial and suffering that you're in right now or that you will encounter in the future. And it may feel like God is far away, but it doesn't matter what it feels like. God has promised He is not. He's not far away. He's right here with us. And he has promised that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us and that he will hold us in his hand and that he will carry us through to the end. Peter also talks about the Holy Spirit. He says that we are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and in the sanctification of the Spirit. And the word sanctification is just another word that for holiness or if someone is sanctified or something is sanctified, it is made holy. And another way to think of the word holy is to think of being set apart or even purified is another way. So something that's set apart and purified for a special use. And so when we're called elect exiles, the We're God's chosen people and then the Holy Spirit works in our lives to purify us from sin. The Holy Spirit takes what Christ did through his life, death and resurrection and then applies it to us, helping that our our past, current and future sins are forgiven. And then he works in us to reshape our hearts so that we become like Jesus Christ, so that we're purified. But then as we're purified and as we begin to look more like Jesus Christ, it's a slow process, but slowly we begin to look more like Jesus Christ. Then as we live that out, we begin to be set apart a little bit from the rest of the world. Our lives look differently than the people around us. And so we're we're set apart, we're we're a little different from everybody else. And that's why Peter goes on, he talks about the Son, he talks about Jesus Christ. He says that we're elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, and then he says, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for the sprinkling with His blood. And so the Christian, the elect exile, is someone whose sins have been forgiven through Jesus' blood. When, when someone turns to Jesus Christ in faith, and trusts Him for the forgiveness of their sins, their their sins are washed away and cleansed completely. But part of putting your faith and trust in Jesus is repentance. And so when when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we turn toward Jesus and say, I trust You. I put my faith in You. I want You to save me and forgive me. But when you turn to Jesus in faith, you're also turning away from your sinful life and your sinful past. You're turning away from it in repentance and saying, Now, Jesus, I love you. Forgive me. I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to do the things you want me to do. And that's really important in the midst of our own exile and our current exile, but our exile throughout all of life. Yes, In the midst of our exile, we do rest in our election in the Father. We rest in the fact that God chose us from before the foundations of the earth and that He's got a hold of us as our Father. He's adopted us into His family and He'll never let go of us. We we rest in that in the midst of our exile. But we also need to realize that as God's chosen people, He expects us to live as His people in the world. We're called to keep following Jesus and obeying Jesus. In the midst of our exile, we're called to live holy and pure lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's always been difficult to to live the Christian life. Anybody who tells you it's easy to live the Christian life has not really lived the Christian life. It's always been difficult to live the Christian life. But in the midst of exile, it's even more difficult. Everything becomes more difficult in the midst of exile because everything is different. And because everything is different, we get worn down, we get exhausted, we get tired. And when we're worn down and exhausted and tired, we really easily fall into temptation. And I can pretty much guarantee that all of you have experienced this at one time in your life. One example in particular. Um, Say you've been trying to lose weight and you've been watching what you've been eating and making sure you're eating good portions and you're right, eating the right kind of food and you've been doing a really good job, you've been at it for two or three weeks, been really diligent, really focused, living it out. Um, but then you have a bad day at work. Everything at work seems to be going wrong. And you, just, and you get in your car after work and you're frustrated and you're crabby and you're tired and you're worn out and you get home. And I can about imagine that your diet at that point just goes out the window. You say, I don't care. I'm just going to eat what I feel like eating, whatever I want to eat. I don't care. I'm sure every one of us has fallen into that temptation. Because the reality is when we're frustrated and when we're weak and we're tired and we're exhausted, we easily fall into temptation. And the reality is that struggle is very real for all of us in the midst of our current situation. Because everything has changed. And I'm guessing that many of you are feeling more exhausted than you normally feel. Some of you are working way more than you normally work because your job has gotten crazy in the midst of this. And so you're exhausted from that. And others of you are wondering, why am I so exhausted when it feels like I'm not doing anything? It's because everything's different. It wears us out. But either way, we've got a lot of people right now who are exhausted and worn out and tired and they're sick and tired of being stuck in their homes and they're sick and tired of not being able to do the things they want to do. And that all lays the groundwork for us being ripe to fall into temptation. It lays the groundwork for us to maybe to really risk falling into moral failure. And so some people are going to be tempted to get back into drinking. Many people are going to be tempted to skip their morning quiet times with God because I just don't feel like it anymore. Many people are going to be tempted to, to tune out of, of the live stream worship services because it's just easier to get up and drink my coffee and go sit on the deck. Many people are going to be tempted to fall into patterns of anger and bitterness in this season. Those temptations are there and it's real. And in these seasons of difficulty and in these seasons of temptation, we need to remember that we are elect exiles. That we are the elect people of God quarantined in our homes. And so even though we are tired and worn out and exhausted, we are still God's people. He hasn't left us nor forsaken us, and and He's with us there to help us through to the end, but He also expects us to keep on following Him, even when the path is hard. He expects us to keep on running the race, even when our muscles hurt. He expects us to continue exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we're going to mess up. We're all going to mess up. None of us are going to do this perfectly. But when we mess up in the midst of this, we still act like a Christian and we get down on our knees and we look up to our God and we say, I'm sorry, I messed up again. Please forgive me. And then we say, give me strength. To continue to follow you. Give me strength so I don't fall into temptation. Again, give me strength to continue to take the next step and the next step and the next step as I follow you. Because just because things are difficult doesn't mean that we are no longer followers of Jesus Christ. We need to continue to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, trusting Him and following Him. And when we do that, the rest of Peter's greeting comes true in our lives. He ends his greeting by saying, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And so when we keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of difficult seasons, in the midst of our own exile, grace and peace are multiplied to us. When we feel like we are tired and too weak to go on, We feel like, I cannot keep going on another stinking day in the midst of this quarantine. We're reminded what God told Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, we should boast all the more gladly in our weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on us. For the sake of Christ, then, we should be content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when we are weak, then we are strong. In the midst of this difficult exile, we feel like we're too weak to go on. Grace will be multiplied to us as we keep our eyes on Christ. His power will be made perfect in our weakness. We continue in this and and anxiety begins to build up within us and fear starts to kind of lurk on the corners of our lives because everything's changing and we don't know what the future holds. We can't make any plans about the future. Everything keeps changing and swirling and we begin to feel anxious. We're reminded of what Jesus told His disciples the night before He was betrayed. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. But let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's in the midst of difficulty with anxiety and fear upon us. As we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, peace will be multiplied to us. It's because we are the elect exiles. We are God's chosen people in the midst of this quarantine. And so that means we need to keep our eyes on the Father who, who chose us before the foundations of the earth, the one who promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. We rest in that. And then and then we look to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of our sins. And then we look to the power of the Holy Spirit who, who gives us strength to take each step and continues to conform us into Jesus Christ. And as we do that, as we live each day trusting in the triune God, grace and peace, will be multiplied to us, even in the midst of this difficult situation. Let's, let's come to our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we can continue to trust You and rest in You in the midst of this exile, in the midst of this difficult season. Father, we thank You for Your promises that You will never leave us nor forsake us, that You will hold us in Your hand right to the end. Father, I thank You that we can rest in that. I thank You for the the forgiveness of sins through Your Son. Thank You for the power of the Holy Spirit who guides us and shapes us each day. So, Father, we, we pray that You would hold us in Your hand more fully. Protect us from the temptation to wander away from You or to fall into sin or to fall into moral failure, Lord. Hold us in Your hand and protect us and keep our eyes on You in the midst of this. May we not only rest in the fact that we are Your people, but may we live as Your people in the midst of this time. And all God's people said, Amen.